And so I want to give you some scriptures today to stir up your faith. In Mark 11, verse 22, Jesus said this, have faith in God. Let's say that together. Have faith in God. Notice that Jesus doesn't say have faith in yourself. Because you can't save you. You can't do what only God can do. He doesn't say have faith in your boss. Have faith in your employer. Have faith in uh, the whole person scholarship that's going to be given at ORU. No, God says have faith in God. Because God's the only one who could do those things that you need to be done that no doctor could do, no counselor could do, um, no uh, uh, employer could do. How many of y'all need God to move on your behalf, right? What, what is a miracle? A miracle is an act of God. It's when God shows up on your behalf for your good, for your favor. Uh, when God does what you cannot do on your own, when God does what you cannot buy with your money, what you cannot accomplish through your connections, it, it was an act of God. Uh, there's people in this room today, you've experienced the act of God in your life. You've seen miracles happen. You should have died in a car accident, but an act of God, miraculously, you were delivered. You should have died from that cancer, but an act of God, a miracle that you're still alive today. Your marriage should have been over 10 years ago, but an act of God, a miracle saved your marriage. You should be in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, but an act of God provided what you needed to pay that off. Can I tell you, God still does miracles today and he wants to do one for you. And so Jesus says, have faith in God. Now, where do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10 verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The more that I hear God's word, the more that I become aware of what God can do. The more that I hear that God heals the sick, that God provides money for those that are in need, that God helps people that are in very difficult situations, the more I have the faith to believe that God can do it for me. If he did it for them, he can do it for me. So faith comes by hearing and the hearing of God's word, but faith also comes from knowing God's will. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14, it says, now this is the confidence. Everybody say confidence. Like God wants you and I to walk in confidence when we talk to God, when we pray to God. God doesn't want us coming in going, I know you don't like me, God. I know you're just tolerating us here on earth. You're, you're not a very nice God. So, Lord, I'm just hoping, I'm wishing. I don't know if you would, but would you possibly just let, let me win the spiritual lottery ticket? Uh, Lord, pick me to get a miracle this week. I know you only pick a few people each week, so can I be one of them, please? No, no, no. God wants all of us to approach him with confidence, to believe that he wants to move on our behalf because he's a good, good father. And so John says this, this is the confidence we have in him, that if we ask anything. Everybody say anything. Now, I'm going to give you the key right now. Anything according to his will, he hears us. And the next verse says, and if we know that he hears us, then whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In other words, God answers prayers, but he answers prayers that are asked according to his will. You might be in here today and you say, man, I, you know, I want candy all day, every day. Could God bless me with that? Well, we got to look in the Bible. Is that God's will for you to have candy all day, every day? See, see there's a lot of people that they don't uh, have the confidence to ask God for things because they're not sure whether God wants that for them. 
And so we've got to discover what is God's will. Does God want to bring healing into our lives? Does God want to bring provision into our lives? Does, does God want to give you direction? Some of you are unsure about the future. You're wondering, you know, am I going to have a job when I graduate college? Am I going to be in debt for the rest of my life? Will I ever get married? Will we ever have children? Will I ever find the right person for me? Will my kids ever get right with God? Will my husband ever be free of this addiction? Will my wife ever, whatever those things are, are that you're, you're wondering, you've got to go to God's word and say, is it God's will to bring healing into my life? Now, Jesus said in John 10, verse 10, this is a good indicator of what God's will is for your life. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life more abundantly. There are some people who think Jesus just wants us to suffer. He just wants us to suffer, 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 suffer. And that all of our lives we're supposed to suffer and live defeated and discouraged and under our circumstances. We're never supposed to be able to help people or be the lender. We're always supposed to be the borrower. And I'm thinking, what Bible are you reading? The suffering is only connected to preaching the gospel. Other than that, if you're suffering financially, Jesus actually wants you to be blessed to be a blessing. So if you're suffering financially, you're, you're believing a belief that's actually not true according to the word of God. God says, I will meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, you can have what you ask. You can ask, you can seek, you can knock on the door and it will be open to you. And which of you fathers on earth, if your child asked for a piece of bread, you would hand him a rattlesnake. And how much more does your father in heaven want to give you the good things of the kingdom of God? God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. God wants to move on your behalf. The legal battle that you're in right now, God wants to make things turn around in your favor. God wants to show up. He wants to get the glory. He wants to provide for you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to heal you. He wants you to have an abundant life. But there's things that stop us from experiencing that. And today I want to tell you there, there's really three things that I think hold us back from experiencing the power of God, the miraculous power of God working in our lives. And before I share those three things with you, I've got a question for you. Here's my question right here. Um, do you believe that it is God's will to heal? And, and I would also say fill in the blank, not just to heal. Do you believe it is God's will to provide for you? Do you believe it is God's will for you to experience um, mental health, emotional health, physical health, spiritual health? Do you believe it is God's will for you to have an abundant life? All right, A, do you believe it's God's will for some people to be healed? B, do you believe it's God's will for no people to experience healing or provision or protection or mental or emotional health? Or do you believe only the people in the Bible times got to experience the miraculous power of God? Or D, anyone at any time could experience God's miraculous power at any point in history? How many of y'all would say D? That's you. All right. That's about 70% of us in the room. I'm going for 100%, and I'm preaching this message for you. I want you to leave today convinced that God does not have any favorites in the room, that God wants to move on anyone's behalf. The same God that has shown up for my father, who's now in heaven, for Billy Graham, who's now in heaven, uh, for Lester Sumrall, uh, for people in the past, for people in the Bible times, that same God, he wants to show up on your behalf. He wants to move in your life. He wants to move through you. He, is no, he has no favorites. You are all children of God. You are all candidates for a miracle. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are a candidate for a miracle. 
You are ripe for a miracle. You are in due season. It is springtime. You are about to experience some miracles in your life. Come on, church. So number one, the, the thing, and I want to tell you this. The power of God is a lot like a shower. If you were to step into a shower and turn it on, and all you saw was a drip of water, you would wonder, what's wrong with my shower? It's, I'm supposed to be getting more water. So you'd call someone, they'd come and look at it, and suppose they were to look inside the pipes and they say, you've got a lot of things that are clogging up your pipes so the water can't get through. That's why you're only experiencing a drip or the water's not even coming out, or it's just a little trickle of it. You've got to get the stuff out of the pipe so the water can come through. And in the same way, God's power wants to move in your life. I don't want just a trickle of God's power. I don't want just a drip. I want the whole abundant shower. I want, I want the fullness of God and the fullness of Christ flowing in me and through me, and I want it all for his glory. I'm not, I'm thinking this, if we only get one chance to live, um, I want the abundant life that God has promised you and I. But in order to do that, I've got to check the areas in my heart that might be clogging the vessel that the water's trying to flow through. And I think the first thing is unbelief in God. Unbelief in God. There's people who go to church and they hear the sermons and they say, well, I'm sure God, you know, did something for somebody, but he hasn't done it for me. I'm sure God's real. I'm sure God, you know, or maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know if God's real. I'm just here. I'm just checking this thing out. And I'm glad you're here. You're in the right place because today you're going to experience the reality of God and his power and his ability to move in this place. But unbelief in God, Thomas dealt with this. He was a follower of Christ. And yet when the disciples came to him and they said, Jesus rose from the dead, he said, I don't believe it. I don't believe it. And I won't believe it until I see it. There's a lot of people like that. I won't believe it till I see it. But I'm telling you today, it, it can't always work like that. You've got to release your belief in God before you see the miracle, before you see the breakthrough. That's what faith is. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things that's not yet seen. And if you will release your faith in God, what you're doing is you're unclogging the vessel. Some of you, you've stopped believing in God's power in your life because you had a disappointment in your past. You prayed for God to move, you prayed for God to heal, you prayed for God to provide, and it didn't happen. And you know what, you're not alone in that. I've been there too. But I cannot base my theology off of my experiences. Because my experience, I'll be on a roller coaster of ups and downs and highs and lows. My theology can't be made out of a sandcastle. I've got to have a firm foundation. Jesus said, build your house on the rock. If you will hear my words and put my words into practice, you will be able to stand through the storms and the tests. I can't explain why some things didn't happen or did happen. But I'm not going to get caught up in bitterness, questioning whether God still wants to bring miracles in and through my life. I'm moving forward with faith. I would rather rather live with faith than live with a cynical heart. I would rather live with hope than live with a bitter spirit. We only get one chance to live. Why not release faith today in God's power, in his love, in his mercy, in his grace, in his healing power, his provision, his protection? I want to invite my friend Natalie Kresge up here because she just got back from missions and she saw God move through her life as she and other team members released their faith to see God's healing power flow. Natalie, tell them what happened. Yeah, on the first day that we were there, I was with the senior group, the, the 12th graders, and the first day that we were there, we went into a school of about 500 students, and um, first we did, you know, our dramas, and we shared the gospel with them, and a lot of them got saved, 
and got healed. And um, after the service was over, one of the teachers, she um, walked over to me with one of the girls, one of the students, probably middle school, I would say, um, is what age the school was. And um, through a translator, found out that the little girl was deaf and the lady was wanting me to pray over the little girl. And so I just started praying, honestly, releasing my faith. Um, the translator was translating, but, you know, I was like, God, you know, you care about this girl more than, you know, any of any of us even can in our natural ability. And so um, prayed over her, laid hands on her, and we saw, um, as soon as I opened my eyes, the teacher just had tears streaming down her face and I just said you know okay through the translator okay talk to her let's see if she can hear us um you know, do something that she couldn't do before. And so the little girl just looked up at me and you could tell she was hearing um, for the first time. And it was the most incredible moment for this little girl. And out of 500, yeah, praise God. So good. You know, out of 500, uh, 500 kids there, you know, God noticed her and her need. And you could tell that teacher was so burdened for her. And then as we were getting on the bus, um, the teacher came running over to me with another kid. You know, because when people see that this thing works, that the gospel works, um, there, is a, there is a drawing for people to that. And so she brought over another little, uh, a little boy for me to pray over that had autism, she said. And I didn't really have a translator there, so I heard the word autistic. And he was, he was really, honestly, he was acting wild. And I just was like, okay, no translator, we're doing this. Um, just laid my hands on him, and he immediately, he just put his hands down by his side, closed his eyes, took a deep breath, and it just, the, the peace of God was all over him. And so I just believe that God worked a miracle in him. We didn't have it confirmed through the translator, but naturally with what I saw, it was powerful. And, you know, Romans 2 says that God is not a, a respecter of persons. He doesn't show favoritism. And so no matter who you are here in Tulsa, he doesn't care more about Dominican than Americans. You know, um, it's whoever is available and willing and yielding themselves, he is willing to heal. So it's powerful. Powerful. You know, I want you to go to Luke chapter 7, verse 11, because this is a story of a miracle that happened. And oftentimes we think in our mind, well, you know, Paul, I haven't been good enough to receive a miracle, or I, I haven't earned enough points spiritually to, to see a miracle happen in my life financially or in my marriage or in my health. I don't know if God could cure this, if God could do this. It's, it's too impossible. You know, this is as good as it gets. I, I remember talking to one person recently who said, Paul, when I was really young, I experienced a miracle in my life. Our family, it was an act of God. Something happened that we could not do, uh, no doctor could do, no medicine could do, and it was an act of God. It was a miracle. But after that miracle, our family prayed for some other things to happen, and the, those things didn't happen. And so we had this disappointment with God and this disappointment even in ourselves and in our prayers. And so we still went to church. We didn't get bitter, but we just accepted an unholy contentment that God could only do one miracle for our family and that we had experienced the one miracle he had and that that's how God works, that you know everybody gets their one miracle. Don't ask for anything more. You got your one miracle. That's enough for the rest of your life. Um, each person gets one. And that's the way they thought. Theologically, they just accepted, you know, only, we only get one. But this person went on a mission trip and after the mission trip, they saw God doing all of these miracles overseas in people's lives and you know, multiple people experiencing multiple miracles, more than one. And they walked away and they said, you know, the reality is God doesn't just want us to experience one miracle in our lifetime. He wants us to experience a lifetime of miracles, a lifetime of miracles. 
You might have had one great thing happen as a kid, but God is not stuck in the 80s. He's not stuck in the 90s. He's not stuck in what he did 12 years ago. He wants to do a new miracle in your life today and in this church. I'm telling you today, the best days are right in front of you. God's not finished with you yet. He sees you. He hears you. He knows what you're walking through, and he's not limited to certain miracles. God can do a miracle in your mental health. God can do a miracle in your heart. Some of you are brokenhearted because you lost someone you loved. Your husband died. Your wife died. Your dad died. Maybe someone that you love, maybe you outlived your kids and you're here today and you say, Paul, I just, I don't know if my heart will ever be healed from this. I don't know if my heart will ever feel like it is alive again. I feel like when they died, I died on the inside. I want to tell you today, we serve a God of resurrection life. He can still heal broken hearts. He can still heal broken marriages. God can redeem and restore and reconcile and make all things new. And so today I want you to look at the scripture in Luke 7, 11, there was this um, family that was walking and Jesus was walking on the opposite side. And this was in a town called Nain. Everybody say Nain. Now, Nain, it's an interesting name, Nain, N-A-I-N, Nain. The, the name of the town, Nain, it actually means beautifully afflicted, beautifully afflicted. It's two meanings together. It's beauty and affliction. But this town was like a, a collision of beauty and affliction. And what's crazy is that's what's about to happen in this passage, that beauty is about to meet affliction. Life is about to collide with death. And, and so Jesus is walking. He just got done with a church service. I, I want to show this to you. I want to I exemplify um, this to you. There's, there's a family that's carrying a dead man. So I need, I need some people over here. I think some of you guys are ready. Um, Sam, will you be the dead guy? You just act dead over there. And, and Jesus is walking with a couple of church members. He just got done with a church service. Will you guys hop up here and be, be the church members that walk with me? I need a couple more. Will y'all come and join me? Let's walk together. I need a couple more. Yeah. So Jesus is walking. And he just got done preaching the Sermon on the Mount. So they're all happy. They're excited. They got the Jesus swag. They're just, you know, having so much fun. They're on a mountaintop. But these other people are walking. And look what Luke 7 says. It says there was a widow who was walking with these mourners because her son had just died. Isn't this, this is life right here. This is life where people who are walking with victory are meeting people who are walking through death. This is Sunday morning service that on the same row where one family's celebrating that they just had a baby boy, there's another family that's mourning that they just had a miscarriage. You wonder why I ask us to raise each other's hands every Sunday and say a victory confession. It's because some of you, you're here on that row. And others of you, you're right here. You're on the mountaintop. God's been good, you got a promotion. You had a baby, your baby got healed, but someone else's baby is dead and they're right next to you or their son has drifted from God. They've got a prodigal son, a prodigal daughter and right there in the town of Nain, there's this collision between life and death, hope and hopelessness, faith and fear, doubt and belief. And Jesus sees the widow mourning. Will you be the widow? Will you stand up and be the mother of, of this son? But I want you to act sad. I want you to act sad. Um, so she's crying and she's weeping. And, and Jesus encounters this widow. Now imagine that you're the widow. Imagine not only has your husband died. So she had already lost her husband. But now her only son, her only child. That was her future. 
That son was supposed to take care of her. That was her 401k. That was, that was everything. You're laughing, but I'm telling you, like, this woman has lost all that she had. She has no more family members. And she's here. And she feels hopeless. Is this how it ends? Is this how it ends? So many of you, you're in situations right now, and you try your best on Sunday to put on your smile. But the, the beautiful thing about Nain is that Jesus doesn't just hang out with everyone who's doing well. He walks right into the mess. He stands right next to the person who's hurting. And he puts his hand on her shoulder. He says, don't cry. The audacity for Jesus to say, don't cry. The reason he's saying, don't cry, is he's trying to tell her, this is not how it ends. This is not how it ends. It's not how it ends in that legal situation you're in right now. The death that's piled up in your life. Some of you, you're hopeless right now. And you've got a gun at the house. And you're thinking, Paul, I, I might as well just end it. Because I feel hopeless. This is my last chance. My last ditch effort. I'm here at church. But I feel dead. And I'm staring at a dead boy. I'm staring at a dead situation. And Jesus says, this is not how it ends. This is not how it ends. And I love what happens. Before Jesus brings healing, he actually touches the dead thing. Religion says back then that people who were alive could not touch anyone that was dead. It made you unclean. It made you dirty. To touch anything that was dirty, it separated you from God. Religion always draws us further from compassion. Religion always drives us away from intimacy, away from uh, uh, actually feeling in our hearts what God wants to do. Religion tries to keep us at a distance from God's power, but Jesus broke the religious barriers. He touches the dead. Jesus is not afraid to touch the dead things in your life. Jesus is not afraid to touch the dirty things in your life. The thing that you want to hide from everyone in the church, Jesus says, I can, I can heal that perverted thing. I can set you free from that addiction. The thing that you feel like is never going to get better, that you feel like is, this is just the way it is. We just weren't one of the lucky ones. See, Jesus cares about you. And he puts his hand there and he says, young man, I say to you, get up. And the man sat up. Breath filled his nostrils. And he showed the son to his mother. And in that moment, everything changed. Yeah, give these guys a big hand. Can I tell you today? That what Jesus did in Luke 7, 11, he wants to do for you. It wasn't just that miracle. It was another one. The centurion who cared about his servant, he said, just say the word, Jesus. He had faith to believe that Jesus could bring healing. And Jesus is still doing it today. While, while I was in Dominican Republic this last week, we were doing an outdoor service, a revival service. And this man came. He was demon possessed. He was flailing his arms and his whole body fell on the ground and he was manifesting like possession of demons. If you don't think there's a devil, you just need to be exposed to some other countries and some other places because there's a real devil. There's real darkness out there. Five people were trying to hold this man down and he was overpowering all five of them. And they began to pray for him. They were just there to pray for him, just to believe that God had a plan for his life. He was oppressed. He was depressed. He was possessed. But in that moment, as we begin to pray and the band begin to sing worship, his body just sat still. And all of a sudden, the power and the presence of God overpowered the darkness that was inside him. 
he got up from there and he was in his right mind. He asked Jesus into his heart. He was completely saved by the power and the grace of God. This is not how it ends for your son. This is not how it ends for you. You are not stuck with that addiction. You are not stuck with that sickness. You are not stuck in that depression. You are not stuck with that doubt, with that fear, with that darkness. You are not stuck in that financial setback. Your problem is an opportunity for God to show up. He still moves stones. He still raises the dead. He still heals blind eyes and deaf ears. He still sets men free from addictions and depression and possession. He still brings light in the darkness. I want you to see this video because it was powerful what happened. You're going to see that man on the stage in this video. But we went last week as a church. We went to Dominican Republic in Guatemala. Many of you in this room were part of it. And miracles happened. Salvations happened. And I want you to see what God did through your faith in God, through these people stepping out and putting their faith in God. Watch what happens. No matter how young you are, no que tan joven seas, whether you've known Jesus your whole life, ya sea que haya conocido a Jesús por toda la vida, or whether your first time tonight is to hear about Jesus, o que sea la primera vez esta noche que vas a escuchar a Jesús, tonight is a night. Esta noche es tu noche. That Barahona, en la que Barahona, will be impacted, será impactado, by the power of God, por el poder de Dios, and it will never be the same again. Nunca más será la misma. And 957 people got saved in one week. Man. 455 people confirmed healed in one week. He still heals. He still heals. He still heals. He still does miracles. And the situation you're in right now, this is not how it ends. 
God has a setup. God has a comeback for you. God has a miracle for you. I want to invite Josh Com up here. Josh, he went on the trip. He's a volunteer. He serves here on staff at Victory. And I got to just say this about Josh. Him and I have, have something very deep in common. His father was a pastor, just like my father. His father went on to be with the Lord at a young age. And um, his father had reached thousands of Burmese people in Tulsa. I remember going to his father's funeral and seeing him and his sister up there. And I just had flashbacks of going to my dad's funeral because, I mean, this whole room, uh, the entire floor, all the way up to the seventh row of section B was filled with people who were touched by his father, um, the Burmese people that he reached, that he brought Jesus to. And the legacy lives on. Josh is carrying the torch, reaching so many people. Tell, tell them what God did through you and the team in Dominican. Come on, I wanna encourage you guys today to expect a miracle. You see, there's an amazing story, an amazing testimony that happened with the ninth grade team. They had gone out for the food distribution um, for one of the days that were happening. They had gone to this woman's house. This woman, she had lost her husband. She had six kids to take care of. She was having trouble getting food over to her house, but she, she decided and she heard that, man, she needs, to, she needs to just start boiling water. She needs to expect it, and she heard from God, she needs to start boiling water. She's boiling water. And one of our ninth grade teens with the, for food distribution, they come into their house. They said, hey, how you doing? Are you, do you believe in Jesus and things like that? And then they said, hey, we just came here to bear, grip, to bear gifts and we wanna give you this food. And she was looking for food all month, all month. But she decided to expect a miracle and she decided to start boiling water. And guess what happened? God provided food, come on. But I believe that's one of the two miracles that happened because there was also a team member on the team who, who went out there and they had been in that same position growing up as well, where they were looking for food growing up. They didn't know where it was coming from. But for that team member to be able to be a part of that opportunity to, for God to say, hey, the obstacle that you were going through in your life, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change that for you to be somebody that I can work through for an opportunity for somebody else. I think that that speaks so much as well of what God's heart is. Powerful. Stay up here, Josh. You know, the thing I love about that, that miracle is we saw God bring healing to a lot of people, but also the provision that, you know, we brought food to help bless people. But in that situation, it was like this person needed it so bad. And like he said, they were expecting it to happen. The second thing that I think blocks us from experiencing the miraculous power of God is an unwillingness to trust in God's word and un, an unwilling to trust in what God has said. So how do we combat that lack of trust in God? We put our trust in action. Trust is not trust until you act on it. Like I could say, I trust Josh, but if Josh asks for the keys to my car, I might go, oh, hold on, I don't trust you that much. Trust is only trust when it's put into action. If Josh invited me over to his house and said, hey, Paul, do you trust me? I said, yes. And then he says, eat this food that I cooked for you. I said, well, hold up. I don't know if I trust you. Trust is only trust until I put it into action. I eat the meal. I give him the keys to my car. In the same way with God, many of us will sing, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you. But then on Sunday, or the opportunities to act on that trust, to give financially, to trust him with our tithe, our offering, we kind of hold back. We go, hold on. I don't trust you that much. But this woman, she started boiling water. She started preparing for the miracle. She started acting on her trust. It's time for some of you to start boiling the water. You're asking God to show up on your behalf and God's saying, I want you to put that trust in action. 
I want you to get ready for your miracle. I want you to make room for what I'm about to do in your business. I want you to start trusting me with your tithe, with your offering. I want you to start activating that trust by stepping out and helping other people in need, by showing up and doing something for someone else. Put your trust, your faith in action. So I love what Josh said, that as she prepared, they showed up. I believe as some of you start moving with your trust, you're gonna see God move on your behalf. Give Josh a big hand one more time. Can I tell you the third thing though, the third thing that I think holds people back from the abundant life that God has for them. Number one is unbelief. Number two is an unwillingness to trust. And number three is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. Jesus said, before you ask me to do something, before you come to the altar and you ask me to do something, if you have an offense in your heart towards a brother or sister, deal with that offense. One of the biggest hindrances that stops the water from flowing, that clogs up the pipes is offense. It's hurt, it's wounds. And as long as you hold on to those wounds, you're holding back God's blessings that he wants to move in and through your life. You've got to forgive. I'm not saying that what they did to you is okay, but you've got to forgive them. Forgiveness unclogs the pipes. It unlocks the water to flow into your life. You know, unforgiveness, it causes your blood pressure uh, uh, to get worse. Unforgiveness, bitterness, it rots the bones. It, it, it messes with your health. It causes you to not be able to sleep sound at night. You, you, you're constantly thinking about that person who hurts you. But once you forgive them, once you let it go, all of a sudden you start getting healthier. Your blood starts flowing better. You start sleeping better at night. You're not offended. You're not uptight. They're not consuming. They're not renting all the space in your brain property. You've evicted them out of your, you're saying, I'm not gonna deal with that bitterness or offense any longer. I was in a situation here recently where there was, there was hurts that had built up over time and, and as we were sitting in this room, all of a sudden the hurts, it just began to open up and it was so healthy uh, because as the hurts were opened and exposed and we pulled it out from under the rug, it was like the healing power of God began to move in the room. When there was an apology and there was forgiveness and reconciliation, you could just feel the presence of God touching people's hearts. Why? Because forgiveness opens the door for healing to flow. Mental healing, emotional healing, physical healing. I wanna invite one last testimony up for you today and it's our friend Gaylene. Gaylene, will you come on up to the stage? You've gotta hear this testimony. This is so powerful. Yeah, give her a big hand as she comes up. Here we got you. Okay, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> um, but I moved to Tulsa in 2009. And by the grace of God, he planted me right next to Sharon. I'm her neighbor. Yes, Pastor Sharon. And um, the first day well, I moved in, um, Billy Joe was the first person I met in the neighborhood. This was in June of 2009, and I didn't know it at the time, but he was really sick. And he came over to my home. He knocked on the door. He welcomed us to the neighborhood. He invited us to church. And at the time, I, I um, was a very traditional Christian, is what I would say. And I thanked him, and I said, oh, we have a church. Thank you so much for inviting us. That was in 2009. Um, since then, Sharon, was very persistent in the kindest way of every Easter we would get an invitation, Christmas program. Um, she just showed a lot of love to our family and was always inviting us to victory. But again, I was a Christian already 
and I was content where I was. In 2017, in the fall of 2017, my my youngest daughter, who then was 15, um, said to me, Mom, I, I just feel like I need something more. I need something more out of my worship. Why don't we go to Victory? Sharon's been inviting us. You know, we haven't gone to any of the programs. She's so sweet, and we like their family. Let's try it. And I was like, okay, you know, I'm getting up there, and I'm used to my ways, but I love you, and let's, let's try this. So the first Sunday we came here, I was like, whoa. <laughs> These people know something I don't. And it was so different from what I was used to, but... God sparked something in in my heart. So we came again. So mind you, we'd only been twice. And while we were in, you know, in the service, one of John's amazing uh, mission trip videos played. And my daughter looked at me and said, let's go. So we've only been here twice. You know, I just came from a church where we didn't even have instruments. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. So we go to Honduras last year. And it was amazing. You know, I saw so many salvations. It was just like something I had never experienced before. And I started watching my traditional relationship with God grow into an intimate relationship with God. And so after the Honduras trip, we were hooked. And so I heard a lot of stories after uh, at the Honduras trip about healings. And I saw a lot of the kids, you know, um, just the vigor in them and the excitement of the the of seeing these visual healings and I hadn't experienced that yet and to be fully honest I just wasn't there I I I believed these people and they were good people and they were honest people but I just didn't know for sure about the physical healing um, and and I wanted to believe it but I didn't so we went again on the mission trip to the Dominican Republic and I was blessed with five beautiful girls that I was kind of in charge of and that was my group. And we had been going and it was the third day and they, they keep us busy. I mean, we are going to schools, we're going to parks, we are just nonstop getting on the bus, praise Jesus. It was amazing. Well, we had a 30 minute lag time and we had time to run into a hospital. And I'd never been to, into a hospital before and, so I grab my group of five girls and we grab our interpreter and we go into this hospital and it's not a hospital like what you have ever experienced. It's a hospital where you, you might choose to just stay home instead of go to the hospital. And so it was humbling even just walking into the hospital. And it was, I could tell that my five girls, they were already a little emotional just being there. And it was a pediatric hospital. So we go into the, the room and we see on one side of the um, room a little boy around three laying in a bed. And he was um, uncomfortable, you could tell, and uh, with his mother. And then on the other side of the room was a baby lying in a bed with um, two ladies. So first we go to the, the little three-year-old and was told that he had some kind of parasite. And um, so we all gather around and um, we're praying for him. And, you know, he was a little afraid of us, you know, like what's going on? He kind of scooched back. And so, you know, we get down and we're praying with him and, and over his mother. And um, when we were finished, you know, she thanked us and, and he was, you know, real wide-eyed just kind of watching us. But he still didn't have, you know, he just laid there. He, he, you could tell he was still not, you know, he was uncomfortable. 
So we moved from him and we, we went over and as I looked at the baby laying there in maybe 14 months, um, he had a couple of towels just on him. And I was like, oh, I've, I've volunteered in hospice homes and I've seen people die. And I was, I don't want these girls to have to see this, but we, we've got to go into this wholeheartedly. You know, he was unconscious. He had that pattern of breathing. If you've ever seen someone pass, it was there. And um, so I remembered the verse that you just said about praying and praying God's will. And letting, I, I let go of all the doubt I had with the healing. And I let go. And I'm like, this is not about me. God can do miracles, you know, through anybody. And he can do a miracle through all of us that are here with this little baby. So the, the girls are a little hesitant. You know, it was emotional. And his, the baby's young mother was sitting right on the bed across. She was so distraught, she couldn't even sit next to her child. She was maybe 18, just, just head down, just tears falling down from her face. And so when I asked the interpreter what the baby's name was, his name was Maximilius, and my son's name is Max. So I got down on my knees, had one hand on the baby and one hand on the mom, and the, those beautiful girls just circled around, and we began praying, and I began praying out loud with the interpreter, and some of the girls were praying in the spirit, and I can't even tell you what I said. It was just God working through us. And when I said amen, and I looked up, two little brown eyes with long eyelashes opened right up. And at that moment, that myself and the girls and the interpreter were over, we were overwhelmed. And, and the interpreter yelled, Gloria Dios! And we were all like, whoa, glory to God. And, and we looked at the mom and she still couldn't open her eyes. And we said to her, you can look, he's awake. And he was moving his head. And we were like, what is happening? He had, you know, he had digested poison and they just, they had no hope for him. And, and we just felt like at that time, I just felt like God had prophesied to us. And I just looked at her and I said, you raised this boy to love his savior. He saved him and he will do great things through him. And so all my doubt you know, God didn't just heal Maximilius. God healed me. God healed the mom. God healed the girls. God healed the, the grandmother. God healed the interpreter. And as we were leaving and walking out of the room, that little three-year-old boy hopped right up out of that bed and started hugging us. And so I'm here to testify that I was one of those you know, I've only been going here for not even a full two years that sat in the pew out in the audience and was like, I want to believe this so bad, but now I believe it. God is real. God is alive. Powerful. Why don't we stand up to our feet all over this place? 
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I believe that he can heal. I believe he wants to heal. I believe that he can do miracles, whatever seems impossible to you. This is not how it ends. God has a plan to turn it around. God has a plan for your future. He has a plan for your family. He has a plan for the person you're called to marry one day, for the singles in the room. For those in the room that are believing to have children, God has a plan for you. God has a miracle for you. For those in the room that are believing for favor with the court, favor in the situation that seems like it's impossible, it's out of your control, God's not finished yet. If there's breath in your lungs, he's not finished with you yet. He's not finished with that situation. And I, I believe that today there's two groups of people that need to respond to this message. One group is a, a group of people you say, Paul, I, I can relate to Gaylene. I, I, I have doubt in my heart and I've carried some doubt in my heart because of past disappointments, past situations that didn't work out. But I wanna believe, I wanna believe that God can and I wanna believe that God will. But just like the story in the Bible, I need to pray that prayer, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Lord, help me to believe again. Help me to trust in you again. All over this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here right now and you need to get that faith back in your heart again, I want you to raise your hand. You're saying, Lord, help me to believe. Lord, help me to have faith again. Help me to have hope again. You need a resurrection of hope, a resurrection of faith. Today, there's, there's something happening in the room. God's turning your hope back on. He's resuscitating your faith back again to believe for the supernatural. There's a heartbeat still inside you. God's saying, it's time to get your hope back. It's time to get your faith back. Secondly, there's a group of you in the room. You're saying, I need a miracle, Paul. I need a miracle. Financially, I need a miracle in my fine. I need a miracle in my health. You need a miracle in your body. Maybe you need a miracle in a relationship, a miracle for your son, a miracle for your husband, for your father, for your mother, for your daughter, a miracle in, in your relationship with your spouse, in your marriage. If you're here today and you need a miracle in some area of your life, I want you to just lift your hand up because today we are going to contend and believe that God can do it, that God will do it, that things are turning around, that even right now behind the scenes, God is working on your behalf. Angels in Jesus name. If you raised your hand for either of those or you just need to get down to this altar, I want you to step out from your road. Take a step of faith. Come and meet me at this altar today. In Jesus' name, he still heals. He still does miracles. He still moves mountains. He still rolls away the stone. He still heals the blind eyes. He still raises the dead. He still breathes life into hopeless situations. In Jesus' name. He still provides on the nick of time. He still shows up. Get the water boiling. The food is coming. The provision is coming. The protection is coming. The deliverance is coming. The healing is coming. Let's just begin to worship in this place. Sam, will you lead us in that song? Rise up. In Jesus.
we thank you, God, for miracles today. The altar is open. The altar is open. Healing is here. Breakthrough is here in Jesus' name. Nothing is too difficult. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too big. God sees you. He hears you. He loves you. He's for you. He's with you. He cares about you. in the Bible right after a lot of miracles where John the Baptist he sends a word to Jesus and John had already baptized Jesus he had already seen Jesus you know anointed and in ministry but John was in a different time in his life the Bible says he was in prison and his ministry had kind of stopped everyone was flocking to Jesus and John was in prison and he sends a message through through some people a note to pass on to Jesus and the note said are you the Messiah or should I be waiting for someone else the John was asking this because I think he knew Jesus was the Messiah I think John was asking are you gonna show up for me are things gonna turn around for me and Jesus sent word back to John the blind are seen the deaf are hearing the dead are being raised to life and blessed are the people who are not offended because of me you see, John had to change his perspective. Sometimes you get to see the miracle, sometimes you get to be the miracle. In certain situations where you look at it and you're disappointed or you're frustrated, why hasn't God changed this? It doesn't mean that he won't, but right now the biggest thing you've gotta guard is your heart from getting offended and bitter. And you've gotta choose in the middle of the place that you're in that doesn't make sense that you're gonna be a miracle to those around you. You're gonna be a miracle of God's joy, of God's peace. What should have stolen your peace, you're gonna have the peace that passes all understanding. What should have stolen your joy, you're gonna have joy that doesn't make sense. You're gonna have the grace to make it through the situation you're in. And you're gonna be a miracle to those that are around you. But I firmly believe that there are many people here today that this week is gonna be a week of miracles in your life. I firmly believe that. I heard God say it this last week. After all that happened in Dominican, I said, God, I, I was planning to preach a sermon from the Sermon on the Mount, and I, I really felt this in my heart. God said, preach about miracles, because I'm about to do some miracles in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Stir up their faith, leading up towards Easter. We are going to hear testimonies of God showing up on your behalf of God doing things that are miraculous beyond what you could do in your own strength. 
And as you release your faith, and as you activate your trust, and as you get rid of any bitterness or offense, as you begin to act on the faith words that you've heard, I truly believe God's about to do the miraculous in your life today, in Jesus' name. Now I speak right now to anyone who's in the room that has deafness in their ears. Lord, I thank you right now that ears are being opened, both ears being able to hear. I speak to eyes that have been blind, eyes that have been losing their sight. We speak today healing in the eyes. If you need healing in a part of your body, I want you to just put your hand on whatever part it is. Could be in your head, could be your chest, could be your back, your neck, maybe your ankle, your knee, your hips. In Jesus' name, and if you're a believer and you're standing next to someone that put their hand on their head, you just put your hand on their shoulder and you pray for healing today. The Bible says believers will lay hands on the sick and they will get well, they will recover. So today, we pray for healing in this room, healing for those that are online. We speak life in Jesus' name. Healing in their knees, healing in their head, that the headaches have to go, the migraines have to go. They're gonna be able to think clear, no distractions. Peace in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for backs to be healed. The spine lining up with the Word of God. By His stripes, you are healed. Lord, I speak to neck pain, someone who hasn't been able to turn their head in the directions that they should be able to turn it. We speak in Jesus' name that their neck is healed by the power of God, not by my might, not by my power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And today, in Jesus' name, we declare healing in homes healing between fathers and daughters, mothers and sons, mothers and daughters, fathers and sons, husbands and wives. God, I pray the hearts that have been so cold, so turned off, Lord, that today you're bringing healing in people's hearts, forgiveness in Jesus' name. I pray for mental health, emotional health, the healing of the heart, the healing of the mind. Let's pray this together. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for your healing power in my life, flowing through my life. I believe you died on the cross. You rose from the dead. Be my Lord and Savior. I turn from sin and I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation and your empowerment to live for you. So I'm getting up out of this sickness, out of this problem, out of defeat, and I'm stepping into victory, mental victory, emotional victory, physical victory in every area of my life. I thank you, Jesus that my best days are right in front of me, that you're not finished with me yet. You're gonna get the glory in my life and through my story. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God praise today. I love you, Victory. God bless you. You're gonna have the victory this week. Walk in it.